Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And again, we are coming to you at our social distance best. Yeah, the best we can from, you know, a mile or so down the road from each other. Yeah, so if James sounds like a robot sometimes, he's not been assimilated by the Borg. He's just Oh yeah, that's a good point. Our uh, internet's been kind of weird, so apologize for any kind of audio issues that arise. Yeah, we're doing our best here, as I'm sure you yeah. guys all are with your Zoom lifestyles now. Yeah. So Yeah, that's scary, right? Did you hear the news with Zoom? What's going on with Zoom? They're installing malware onto people's phones to like spy on them or something. I didn't huh. read the whole thing, yeah. I guess it's like a big to-do. I had not not heard of this one. Yeah. Uh, I know that New York schools are no longer allowing Zoom to be used for classes because of Zoom bombing. Oh, what's that? Oh, you never heard about Zoom bombing. I didn't hear about Zoom bombing. You you come for a magic podcast, you get the Zoom update. So when I hold a Zoom meeting, I don't have like a password or anything. I'm just like, here's a link. So people are finding these links and Mm -hmm. showing up in classes and then like... Uh, screen sharing porn or cool. like being all racist and stuff in classes. Yeah. And so it's just random people like logging into Zoom classrooms. Oh boy. And just losing their mind. So New yeah. York New York City schools were like, no, you've been banished to Microsoft Teams. Like, yeah. No. Doesn't, doesn't seem like a great time. Yeah, it is not a great time to be doing all this stuff. Yeah. So anyway. So there you go. Anyway, there's, there's your Zoom update. You're, we got our hand on the pulse of tech. That's uh, right. Speaking of tech, you can get at us on Twitter at Casual Tripod if you have any non-Zoom related ideas for shows. <laughs> sure. You can also uh, send us a message on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us at show at Casual We check both of those fairly regularly i know i've talked to a whole bunch of people over the last you know month or so and i just want to say keep it up i love talking to everybody so send us your feedback send us your show ideas whatever you got you might be the only people we get to talk to that's right we also have our patreon at patreon.com slash casual tryhard mtg i do want to say that i feel kind of awkward like you know pushing our patreon with the world the way it is right now so don't feel like you have to contribute right now um i just wanted to take a second to thank the people that are and uh hopefully those that aren't will help help support the show when this is all over yeah and then if you are gonna somehow buy cards uh mm-hmm. use our tcg affiliate link at tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com yep anything you get from tcg player will get a very small cut of it helps keep the show going so use that if you're going to order online yeah i have a stack of cards that i bought that's going to be in this week's show Mm -hmm. Uh, so i am i am prepared to talk about purchases i have made oh yeah those are the ones that you said that i forgot off of my list that are on this list yeah and i had to remind you that we only made it through half my list last week yeah 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 Yeah. sorry sorry (laughs) that's all right for show ideas next week Hopefully, we're going to have our Ikoria episode because spoilers should be done. I think so. It's going to take a little bit of doing because we haven't ever done the show like this before. We're going to have to do like a video call or something and record it and let Juan work his magic. It's going to be a little different. Our audio might be weird. Yeah. Our audio might be weird also. Yeah. Just that's just how Zoom calls are. You're like, yeah. It's like you're watching a YouTube video that the audio has just gone off sync just a little, and you're like, yeah. something's off here. 
Speaking of Aquarius spoilers, we have some Aquarius spoilers to mm-hmm. go over. I think we're just going to focus on the mechanics. Yeah, right the spoilers now. are rolling out so fast that like, I think we'll just save them all till next week when they're all here. Yeah. Do you want to talk about our opinions of the spoiler construction now or later? Um, either or. I can do it now or I can okay. do it later. So... The spoiler season this year is unusual for a few reasons. Um, yeah. One is that it is super condensed. Yeah, because it started later than it should have because of this whole state of the world. Yes. And then on top of that, mm-hmm. they also are doing... All the, of the commander decks. Yeah, so they're doing the commander decks and the regular Aquarius standard stuff all at the same time. Yeah, which it's le- a mess. Which leads it to be super confusing. Like the first thing I do when I see a card is I look in the bottom corner of the card yeah. to see if it's from Commander or from Aquaria. The set yeah. symbols are different enough, but like sometimes well, I don't yeah, but they're kind of close symbol. enough too. Yeah, they're close enough that you go, "What is this?" Because yeah. like we haven't like we're not like entrenched with oh that's the Aquaria set symbol, so right. it's like oh. Let me see what this is. And then it's like, oh, that's a commander card. Yeah. I have to look at it in the context of like legacy. Is this yeah, legacy it's just, playable? Yeah, it's just kind of awkward that they're all kind of being thrown at us at the same time. And it just makes it hard to, you know, figure out not only because they're being thrown at us at the same time, but because they're being released with Ikoria, there's a lot of like overlapping mechanics. In the artwork, there's a lot of overlap in the artwork. So yeah, you can't, and, like you're like, oh, there's a giant monster, and it's like, oh wait, that is a, yeah, that is a an Ikoria monster. Okay, then you're like, yeah. oh, it's a giant monster. Oh, that's a commander monster. Yeah, very strange. I don't like it. Yeah, it it would have been cleaner if they could have again, you know, the the way of the world. But if they could have mm-hmm. done like the commander spoilers first, yeah, or done the Ikoria spoilers first. And Actually, then... they they could have done that. They could have done the Ikoria spoilers first, and then while they were doing all of the um, pre pre release kind of stuff, like the yeah. streamer event and stuff like that, they could have done the commander stuff then. Yeah, they could have done it like they could have finished the Ikoria pre release or uh, spoilers this Friday, yeah. and then on Monday start with the commander stuff, yeah. just to make it cleaner as to like, hey, what am I looking at? because mm-hmm. it is it is just like what am i looking at what is this because yeah. someone was like am i the only one excited for this like i forget the name of the heavenly whale yeah the and, whale and it was like four blue blue with delve and whenever it attacks you get to put one of the cards that it delved into uh, your hand into your hand yeah and I, he's like, why is no one excited about this i'm like oh because like it's a decent legacy card but it's like here are its problems and it was like, yeah. oh, it's a commander card. That's, yeah. that's why no one's excited. It's like, yeah, like you've right. got to look at it. It fits into legacy or commander. Yep. And it's like an odd fit for both. Yeah. So, yeah, it has made it really hard. And I think it has taken I know, some of the excitement away because like you might get initially excited about a card and you have to go like, wait, what is that? What is this from? Well, not only that, but it makes it really hard to figure out how like all the puzzle pieces fit together because you're being fed a bunch of 
pieces from a different puzzle. You know what I mean? Like during a nor- normal spoiler season, you can say, oh, these are all the mutate cards I get to work with. Let's see what a mutate deck looks like. But during this spoiler season, you get all the mutate cards that you get to work with, plus all the mutate cards that somebody else gets to work with. And you got to figure out which one goes where before you can see how the puzzle comes together. Yeah, and it's... Um... Yeah, it's just making it really hard for me to follow. Usually, I don't know if you noticed or not, but usually in our like group chats, I'm blasting all the time, all the brand new spoilers I'll post up before anyone else does, just so I can you know get like a discussion going. And I think I've posted one card this spoiler season so far. It's just not conducive to like being excited and stuff just yeah. because you're you're constantly second guessing yourself and like yeah you're like oh well there's that card goes with this and you go look and you're like oh wait no that card is from yeah the commander set so it doesn't matter yeah there you go those are beef wizards if you need some uh rollout product rollout advice we yeah. got you yeah just, not just, a fan you just hit me up on zoom and uh <laughs> i got i got you yeah. all right so you mentioned one of the new mechanics just now you just yeah. slid in mutate I did. Hang on. Before we talk about mutate, like this set is super complex, right? Oh I mean, my it's gosh. not just me. I think I said in one of our chats, like it just seems complex to be complex. Yeah. Holy moly. These mechanics are not straightforward. And like, not only are they not straightforward, but there's like changes in the way that rules work to make these mechanics work. Like it's really weird. And it's the first set. I think we've like talked about it briefly where it's like, oh, I think this card was designed for Arena. This seems yeah. like an Arena card. Like, you're going to get a cool effect on Arena. This yeah. whole set... Yeah, these mechanics are Arena mechanics. Two of the ones that we're going to talk... or three of the ones we're going to talk about today are objectively easier to track digitally than in paper. Yeah, and, like, some of them are really hard to track yeah. In, yeah. in paper. Yeah. And so the first mechanic mm-hmm. is mutate. Now I've got yeah. the I've got the reminder text in front of me and yep. I have the rules uh the mechanics thing up for uh for the set and yep. I'm probably still going to mess it up. Yep, I'm sure. It's super complex and I don't think I'll fully grasp how it works until after we get to play with it a little bit. Yeah. So okay, bear so, with us. So mutate uh, the first thing you'll notice about the card, they're all creatures thus far. Yep, thus far. So the first thing you're going to notice about the mutate mechanic mm-hmm. is the cards that have mutate, there's a horizontal line in the uh, rules box, in the text box. Yeah, and, and they did that for a reason. Yes, and above it is slightly gray, and below yep. it is the normal brightness of of your text box yep what mutate is is it's a cast ability it's an alternate casting cost correct right so you'll have a card it'll be a creature that has its regular uh casting cost and power and toughness Mm -hmm. and then it'll have the ability mutate with a with a Mm -hmm. casting cost and then a giant block of reminder text i'm just gonna read you the reminder text yeah, because it's a super complex mechanic. Okay. If you cast this spell for its mutate cost, put it either over or under target non-human creature you own. Mm-hmm. They mutate into the creature on top plus all the abilities under it. 
Right. So all the mutate creatures, or most of them, have a a thing that says whenever this creature mutates, you do something. Mm-hmm. So casting it for mutate allows it to do that thing. Right, but not casting it as a creature. But not casting it as a creature. So mutating right. it lets it do that thing, but not just regularly casting it. And right. I think anytime you put another mutate creature on it. It triggers it, all of them. It triggers all the ones you've stacked up. Yep. Now, let's say you have a tutu. Mm-hmm. And you have not, a... Non-human. Non-human. And yep. you have Cloud Piercer, our, our mutate example here. That's a 5-4. Mm-hmm. And you yep. can pay its mutate cost, which is three and a red. And it right. comes onto the battlefield and you have to stick it to another creature. Right. And so you can either put it on top of the 2-2 so that mm-hmm. you get Cloud Piercer's power and toughness plus its ability plus any right. ability on the 2-2. Right. Or you can put it under the 2-2 so yep. the 2-2 stays a 2-2 but gets the abilities of Cloud Piercer. So in this case, it's clearly better to put it on top because you're going right. to want to have the bigger creature on top because you get that power and toughness. I so mean, usually. Can, yeah, you don't want it. You don't yeah. keep, you don't like add the powers and toughnesses together. Yeah, you only get whatever's on top. You only get whatever's on top. So they're kind of like auras. Kind of. But they're creatures, and it's not always as clear as to which one is the aura creature and which one is the creature that it's on. Because they're the same thing. Exactly, because they're both creatures. Well, they're both the same permanent. Like, once you've mutated... It is one object as far as the game's concerned. Really? Yes. There, there's no way to kill just the cloud piercer portion of a mutated creature. You kill the whole thing or none of it. Okay. So like if you were to bounce it, do you bounce all of them? Um, I believe so. I believe you bounce the whole thing. There is one instance where that would not be the case. And that's if somebody kills the thing you're trying to mutate onto while you're casting the mutate because it's not the same game object yet. What I've been told happens is it enters as the creature. Okay, here we go. If a mutating creature spell tries to resolve but can't because its target is illegal or has gone missing, the mutating creature spell will simply resolve and enter the battlefield. Mm -hmm. There was something with blinking, though. And I think if it gets blinked, it comes back as a creature and not as a mutate. Okay, but do they but they do they come back as separate creatures? Yes. So you like you've like piled stuff up on a thing and you blink it, and then they just all fall apart into one big into a bunch of creatures? Yeah, so if you got like six things all mutated together as one one creature and it gets blinked, when it re-enters you have six different things hmm it is an awkward mechanic it's somewhere between like just a regular enchantment and like bestow kind of yeah yeah you're in this weird space where it's like well sometimes it's a creature sometimes it's a pseudo enchantment so i got a question for you with mutate okay what if you had um dreadhorde invasion okay 
So you cast a Dreadhorde Invasion on turn two. Yes. And then at the beginning of your turn, you get a zombie army token creature that's a zero zero with a one one counter on it. Okay. And then you mutate it and turn it into a cloud piercer or whatever. Yep. So now it's a five four reach. Whenever it mutates, you discard draw a card with a plus one plus one counter on it. So it's a six five. Yep. Um with effective haste because the permanent was on the battlefield already no because you would have to wait two turns because they because like that token came in and would still have some sickness well right but that'd be turn three and then this costs four oh, four okay so um yeah sorry t- take a turn off in there yeah. so yeah it have two counters on it and then be swinging for seven on turn three and give you lifelink because its power is four or six or more. But it wouldn't be an army then, would it? Or would it? Or does it get the same? Does it get the keywords? I th- yeah, I think so. Not the keywords, the, the type lines? I think so. Remember that targeting requirement for a mutating creature is a non-human creature you own. Nowhere in that phrase is the word non-token. Tokens can mutate just like non-token permanents can for any merged creature. If a token is on top, the creature is a token. Okay. No, I was more along the lines of, in the example they have in the in the sheet, they've got Cloud Piercer is a dinosaur, and they stick it on a beast. <laughs> so, But it doesn't become a dinosaur beast, right? It just is a dinosaur. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. So it would still be a zero, zero. It would be a zero. It would be, it would be yeah. a dinosaur. Yeah. Uh, but it wouldn't be a dinosaur zombie army, because right. it's only zombie armies that get get counters. The the yeah counters and the dreadhorde arcanist bonus. Yeah. Yep. Right. You would get a new one one the next turn. Yeah. That doesn't seem as good. Yeah. So if you're confused, that's because this command mechanic is super duper confusing yeah i'm gonna need to play with arena for like two hours to figure this mechanic out i think yeah part of the thing that i'm not a huge fan of is it seems like especially in limited it is rife for abuse in terms of oh no i put that on top oh when, yeah when someone plays it they play their sky piercer five four and you play mm-hmm. your destroy target creature with power f- four or more yeah and they're like oh no i put it underneath my tutu right and you're like no you didn't or it's been a five four and then at some some point they switch places or something Mm -hmm. like on a complicated board state yeah your five four becomes a two four right because they needed because again you had the conditional removal spell and they somehow saw it and they were like oh like untapping like stuff's going to slide underneath or something. Yeah. I mean, at, at least it's like only the top card matters as far as the order goes. Yeah. So at least you don't have to worry about anything other than what's on top. And maybe you just remind your opponent to like, tell you what's on top. It's like super awkward. Like having like yeah. all these like quarter of a cards or third of a card sticking out of the bottom Right. Of another card just yeah. piled up on each other. Yeah, there's certainly some dexterity issues there. Yeah. So that's our first uh, made for arena mechanic. 
coming to yeah. a paper gameplay near you. Yeah, you ready for a second made-for-arena mechanic? Uh, yeah. So this all next right. one is Companion. Yeah. Now, all of these are legendary creatures, mm-hmm. and you're allowed to start with one of them outside the game, i.e. your sideboard. At the start of the game, you can tell your opponent that you have a companion and reveal it to your opponent, and you can cast that from outside of the game once per game. Now, all of these companions have a stipulation on them where you have to change the way you build your deck. One that I'm using for an example here is Karuga the Macro Sage. It's a dinosaur hippo with companion. Um, And it says your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and lands. So if this is your companion, you can cast it once from outside of the game, provided that you've revealed it to your opponent at the start of the game. And in that case, your deck has to have only cards with CMC three or greater. Yes. So I read something where they're like, well, we want a tracking of this to be easy in that if you play Kyuga, Karuga, whatever his name is, the Macro Sage, and -hmm. then you play a two drop, your opponent's like, no, it clearly says you have to have things that are three or greater. Right. So all of these are, are quote unquote easily checked to make sure okay. that you that you meet the condition. So this one is things that are three or greater. The outlaw one that's otter. two or less. Yeah. Yeah, the, the otter. Well, the one that's two or less is permanent two or less. Well, that's for the second half of it. The first half, I think, is just seems just cards in your deck two or less. I don't think it, would, uh, it made you play just... Uh, survey says each permanent card in your starting deck has a converted mana cost of two or less. So you can play oh. spells okay. that, right. are, that are a higher converted mana cost. Right? Yeah. That makes this, that card was this Loris of the Dream Den. Yeah. Like makes it more of like an eternal card. Yeah. Because you can like you can play a bunch of cheap permanents and it still works. Mm-hmm. But you have all of these like deck building constraints like right on the card. And if mm-hmm. you don't live up to your deck building constraint, you can't have it as a companion. Right. So you're telling your opponent right off the bat, like, hey, I'm not playing any three drop creatures because I'm playing the Dream Dead guy. Right. Or I'm not playing any, I'm not going to do anything on turn one or turn two. Because you're playing Karuga? Because I'm playing Karuga. Yeah. Now the the fix for Karuga is Bone Crusher Giant and Brazen Borrower. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Because you just get to, their converted mana cost is three, but then you cast them. Yeah, you you still have some interaction on two. Yeah, you can use your, uh, whatever it's called. Adventure. Adventure. Same with uh, uh, Lovestruck Beast. So the three, like, rare slash mythic uh, adventure creatures that you would Mm -hmm. play in, like, blue-green all work with, with that both triggering... Both getting around the drawback and triggering the um, the comes comes to the battlefield ability. Yeah. So like you could maybe with adventure creatures have a way to play. Let's say that one. Hmm. Uh, but it's it a different a, adventure deck, though. It is a very different deck. Yeah, because you don't get to play Lucky Clover or uh, Edgewall Innkeeper. Yes. Well, there's 
there's part of me that wants that deck to go away. To go away. <laughs> in, in in terms of just like I don't I haven't liked the 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 way that we have that there's been a lot of decks that just feel like in R and D wizards like put together a deck. Yeah. Or right, like, hey, we're gonna put together all these enablers for draft uh, mm-hmm. and a draft adventure deck and that's just good enough to be a standard deck yeah. or hey here's all the enablers for energy and that's the only deck we get to play for however many months oh well, i certainly have a feeling that's going to be the case for uh, mutate you think it's t- going to be too good like where it's going to just be a standard deck well i think that's the only way like it's one of those mechanics where it has to be all or nothing you know what i mean yeah I guess we haven't seen the other cards that make you go like, oh. Yeah. But I guess like if you can keep something around long enough to mutate on it to get it big, that when you do the mutate thing, you do like six game actions. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, I see. This is really good. So yeah, in in the article um, where they went over all these mechanics, that was one of the things that they said in there was that's the reason they gave you the like, uh, triggered ability like when it mutates you do something because they wanted you to do or they wanted you to get value from each of the mutations so that like when your creature finally bit the dust to a removal spell you weren't just you know left holding the bag you you got some value out of it like as the game went on yeah i just it's one of those things that i like, think about like bestow like mm-hmm. there were like two playable bestow creatures in constructed Right, Boon yeah. Seder and I love me some Boon Seder. And then there was like the a two two flyer that no one ever bestowed. The one one? Was the one one? Was yeah. the one one that let you steal a creature? No, I thought it was like a, a two two maybe it was, maybe I was when I was super bad, that was the only one playing that one. It's like a black creature, like one black black and it bestowed for something and it gave it flying and plus two plus Oh yeah, two. yeah. Um is that Herald of Torment? Yeah, maybe that one. Three mana, three three flyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. but there weren't there weren't a ton of like playable bestow yeah. creatures. It could be that where you just have a few that are like, oh, this is really worth playing. I mean, or maybe it's j- or the you just like we play this like giant Voltron. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do this and get like 85 triggers and bury you because you went like uh, one, two, three, four, like creature mutate, 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 mm-hmm. and I just got buried. Yeah. It's like, oh, I had a tap land on three. We're done here. It's over. <laughs> Oops. Uh, Oopsie. Yeah. So companion, they're trying to make it feel like commander. Uh, that is 100%. That is what they actually said. Yes. So they want you to have that, like, I have a little buddy that's leading my team yep. uh, into battle kind of vibe to it. And instead yep. of giving you the color identity as the deck building constraint, They've given you the companion, um, the companion uh, uh, condition. Deck building, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever the deck building constraint is. One of these cards is so powerful that it did not <laughs> make it even to being printed before it was banned in Commander and Brawl. Yeah, it's not that it was that powerful. It's that there was like absolutely no downside to to play it. Yeah, I'm trying to look uh, for its name. I know it's just a sweet otter, but yeah, it's an elemental otter. It's like, Lugia or yeah, Lu- 
something, lose something. Yeah, who's like catching a lightning bolt or like charging up a Hadouken, I don't know which. <laughs> and a little bit like, of both, I think. So yeah, that guy's awesome. So it's yeah. like, yeah, one blue-red, blue-red hybrid, and yeah. his condition is you have to have... You have to be Lutri. playing a singleton deck. You have to be Lutri. Yeah. Lutri. You have to be playing a singleton deck. Yep. And so any commander deck would just start with this dude. Right. In your, uh, like, would just always be your eighth card. So every right. blue-red deck would just play this card. So they're like, yeah, yeah there's no. no reason not to. You just have a free 3-2 flash creature that has, like, fork staple to it. Yeah, in your always in your opening hand. Right. They're like, this was, we thought this was too important for, for like constructed for standard. I'm like, no one's playing this card. In standard. <laughs> Nobody's going to play that card in standard. No one. They might play a, in fairness, could they pay a three, two flash that like forks a spell? A hundred percent. That could happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it might be C- in the 60. It won't be in the, it won't be as your companion though. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. But, but they were like, oh, this is too important. I'm like, no, no, it's not. Yeah. There's one here that you can only can have even numbered spells in your deck. Mm-hmm. Even converted mana costs. Is there an odd one? There is, yep. Okay, I don't remember seeing that one. I'm, I, I'm it was sure. black, I think. Okay. But yeah, the blue, there's the blue black one is even. I think that it's black red, I think. Black red is odd. And, unless it was a commander one. Yeah. But yeah, so they've done some really weird things to like help you, like just give you an extra thing to bookkeep. Yeah. Some of them I think are like easier to make happen than others. Mm -hmm. Like we already kind of talked about like if you want a big dino hippo thing, you can make that happen. Yep. Like that with the adventure cards and still have like eight pieces of two mana interaction. Yeah. And like that white black one. There's a ton of decks that want to keep their curve low anyway. So, yeah, it's super out if you're building yeah. around that one. Have, just, just having fine. cheap creatures. Yeah, you have a bunch of cheap creatures, and then you get to play, like, you know, actual higher casting cost spells, and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a weird mechanic. It's, like, the first time that in, like, traditional standard constructed magic that you're going to have, um, like, let me go into my sideboard before the start of the game and show right. you a card. Yeah. I didn't have a whole ton of time today to, you know, spend on the magic Twitterverse or anything, but one of the things that I had heard when the card was first spoiled was that a lot of people were upset about, you know, maybe having to trust their opponent to have built their deck properly or like what are what's the punishment for quote cheating the system, you know what I mean? Like yeah. what happens if you know, I forget, or if I sideboard incorrectly game two and reveal my companion and then like cast my companion from exile or from my sideboard or whatever, and then play something that is in opposition to the deck building constraint. Yeah, I don't know how that works. And I'm sure that you're going to have rules for all that, but. Yeah. But is it going to be like morph where like at the end of the game, you've, you know, let your opponent go through your deck to make sure that your deck was in fact legal. I think it is more of what you said. If they cast a spell that yeah. breaks the constraint, then you go get to go like, Hey, 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 that doesn't work. Yeah. Like that's not how it worked with morph though. 
No, I understand. But that's like easier to... I think that's easier to track because those cards are already on the table. So like if you played a morph that wasn't a morph, right? And then you flip it over and they're Mm -hmm. like, oh wait, that wasn't a morph. Then, you know, thing happens. Here, the I think the assumption is, is that you're not cheating, and since the only way to verify, unless you blatantly show that you didn't meet the deck building constraint, is to go through your opponent's deck. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that they're just not going to do that, and they're going to, I think, err on the side of there was no cheating. Yeah, like they're we're going to assume there's no cheating until it's painfully blatantly obvious that there was some cheating. Okay, I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to we'll have to see. I'm these like I said, these mechanics are really strange, and I'm having a hard time uh, wrapping my head around how they're going to work in the kind of magic that I play. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they seem a lot more like fun, casual, like Timmy mechanics. You know, what, you know they what do. I'm trying to say? They do. Like, oh, hey, wouldn't it be fun if I built a deck with all even mana costs? Yeah. Oh, if I'm gonna do that, well, here's something that's driving me to do that. Yeah. Or wouldn't it be really fun if I played a standard deck that was singleton? Oh, here's my reward for doing that. Yeah. And it does feel like they're trying to get that casual player to be like, oh, I want to do this like thing because it's fun. Mm-hmm. My concern is sometimes I think they have a hard time finding like the fun line in the broken line. Yeah. And I think some things that they think are going to be fun yeah. are just busted. Mm-hmm. And so... Like the the black white one that's like permanents two or less, like it's close. Yeah. It is close. Like if it was white, if it was black red or blue black, and Ooh, had boy. that constraint, like yeah. that card is like thirty dollars and goes in, like everything, everything. It's like wait, I yeah. I, I play brainstorm and thought sees, or I play serum vision and thought sees, and I just start with an extra card in my hand every game. Yep. In. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, or like green black is like I can just cast my Tarmogoy from my graveyard once a once a turn. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah. So the fact that it's white black kind of saves it, mm-hmm. but it's still like super close to not being yeah. safe, and it just takes like one of them being yeah. a little off, and then you're just like playing every game of Pioneer. Your opponent is like whatever two colors, and that. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this is miserable. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that card kind of incentivizes you to like not play Jondor Sultai as your mid-range deck. Like yeah. it almost wants you to be a Mardu. Or Abzan. Uh, yeah, Abzan too, I guess. I was just thinking more Mardu because like you're going to be more skewed towards low CMC. Yeah, like Pyromancer. I was thinking yeah. like Tarmogoyf. Yeah. Like, like you know, Tarmogoyf and... Like a thought sees Tarmogoyf deck where you just have an extra three two, you have that extra resource. Yeah, so that's you're true. like discard, discard, discord card. I have this extra resource every game that you don't. Mm-hmm. And like then you kind of bury them with your three like a three two doesn't sound that threatening, but right. it's a reasonable clock and it's a thing they have to have an extra resource for. Okay. Like that one in particular is also kind of awkward that it has lifelink because like Death Shadow would play that card in a heartbeat, but you can't because of the lifelink. Because yeah. it just kills your Death Shadow. Yeah, but I mean, even hmm. if you like, 
don't attack with it. Like the turn that you get to play that and then play a death shadow out of your graveyard. Yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like a snapcaster. Yeah. Where, you know, well, I mean, it lets you replay your snapcaster. Yeah. You're like, you play like late. It doesn't exile either. No. Cause it has to come out of the battlefield. Yeah. You like, you know, turn six, you like play this out of your like Esper deck. Mm -hmm. Like I play this, I play snapcaster. Right. The thing is, you lose like your planeswalkers. Right. Right. So you lose like Esper Control wouldn't want it, but you know. Yeah, I guess you do lose both Jace or both. You lose Jace and both Teferis. You also lose Lily. Like in the mid range decks you're talking about, you lose Lily. I don't know. They they might have this one right, but this one that's the one that seems the closest. Yeah. So far, at least. Yeah. There's been a couple. There's some that like the all evens, all odds. Like those just seem like. uh, hot garbage. Yeah. But this one in standard hippo boy seems maybe ish. If you play like adventure creatures. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's weird, man. So we have companion in all its weirdness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, okay. So the next one is counters. And but not the counters you're thinking. Yes. You say, dear listener, you know what you're thinking? Like we've had counters all the time. Yeah, no, these are keyword counters. Yes. So, do you remember the stupid bird from that was a playtest card? It was like oh a, yeah yeah one, yeah. One. I didn't even think that. When it died, yeah. it put a flying counter on something, and yeah, it was like, well, what does a flying counter do? And it's like, it's a flying counter. It's like, yeah, but does it give the creature flying? And people were like, I don't know. It gave the creature flying. It gave the creature flying. So what they've and done? No, that's a thing. Is they have made. 10 keyword counters Mm -hmm. that there are spells and like creature abilities that when they come into uh, that put counters on a creature. So you play your creature and when it comes into play, you put a death touch counter on another creature. So you basically permanently give a creature death touch Mm -hmm. because it now has a counter with that keyword on it. Right. This is kind of, they have a, I don't know if you saw, they have a sheet that yeah, has. Yeah, kind of like they did with uh, Amoncat, where yeah, you with had bricks. like the punch out counters. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the same thing, but with lifelink, flying, vigilance, death touch. Death touch, trample, menace. Yeah. So yeah. this is another one that is like super duper hard to track. Yeah. Like. If you don't have the punch cards. And people hate those stupid paper punch cards. Like they they don't hold up. Right. So like, but you just have to like have those counters because (laughs) right. You're playing in your, even in your like not so pre pre pre-release. Right. In May you're playing and your opponent. Like it's like, oh yeah, this has a vigilance counter on it. They throw like a dime on it. Right. And you're like, yeah, what was that dime? Like 15 turns later. Uh, oh, I don't it's, know. it's um, it's menace. Yeah, or it's flying, and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, like it's super hard to keep track of, like the number of like ripped off corners of like life pads, right? That are just gonna be like an F or a V or an M <laughs> is like yeah. infinite. Like yeah. this is another one that like God forbid someone you know well one God forbid if someone sneezes around you anyway. Uh, oh yeah, in this newer, but someone sneezes and like sends like four counters flying. Yeah, bumps your play mat or something. You're like, I've got to rebuild this board state of, like, confetti. 
Like, this mm-hmm. is awesome. So, yeah. yeah, this just screams, like, thing we thought we could do because Arena. Right. And it's a thing they can do because of Arena. But yep. what is that phrase, that saying? Like, they didn't just stop. Just because to... you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah. They, they didn't yeah. stop to think if they should. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank God for the last mechanic that we have. Yes. Yes. Uh, cycling. It's a normal mechanic. Yeah. It's one that everybody loves. It's cycling. Its rules text is only like three three words long or something. Pay yeah. cost, discard card, draw card. Well, like, it, it's also like a mechanic that makes games play better instead yes. of making games play overly complicated. Yeah, this is the the quintessential best mechanic for limited because yeah. you get to keep hands that are like so-so and Man. cycle into good cards. Yeah. And when you draw bad cards with cycling late in the game, you just mm-hmm. get to cycle them. Yep. So the reason this mechanic's here is they wanted to have great big monsters, but great big monsters have great big casting costs. So they right. wanted to staple cycling onto all the seven and eight drops. Well, not all of them, but a bunch of seven and eight drops so you could actually play the format. Yeah. As opposed to being like, oh, my hand's four eight drops. I guess I can't like keep this hand. Now it's like, that's four eight drops. I can cycle away two of these. Mm-hmm. and maybe get there or do something earlier on. Yeah. So I mean, cycling's a mechanic that everybody loves anyway, though. Yeah, it is. It is. It's yeah. Whenever it comes around, people are like, why don't we just have cycling in like every set? Because right. that makes the limited environment so much better. Yeah. Also, that makes every environment better. It does. It does. I mean, was there, in Amonkhet, were there, were, did a lot of cycling cards make it into standard? No, right? Um, the lands did the lands. Yeah. And I mean, there, there was some, the, um, it's a chef at monitor, the one that uh, cycled for three and a green and let you go to get a basic. Land. Yeah. Okay. That one did. I want to say there were others, but they're not coming, coming to mind right now, but I don't think it was super widespread, but yeah, no, they made there's it. There's a few. Uh, there is a, there's an explosive vegetation variant. Have you seen mm-hmm. that one? Yep. I did, yeah. Where it's three and a green. I guess for the the newer people, it's like circuitous route, but it only gets basics. Right. But has cycling on it. So on turn four, it gets you to turn six. And Mm -hmm. on turn eight, it might turn into your six drop. Your eight drop. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't need this anymore. Cycle it and hopefully get there. Cast your craw worm. The thing you have to to learn is you get to keep different hands with cycling. Mm -hmm. Like... A two land hand and a cycler is probably fine and limited. Yep. Like, if you can cycle it. Yep. So it does change kind of your your math on your keeps. Yeah. And it just it does make the games play way better. So a, a spoiler related question. We haven't got a land cycle yet. We have not. Like I don't I was what... actually thinking about this on my way home from work today. Yeah, I was like, what are the lands? Like, are they you think slow? we're going to get the the other side of the cycle lands? Oh, that would be good. Yeah, I think it would be really good. Yeah, that would be okay. That is a that is a reasonable thing to put in this set. Yep. Uh, so yeah. That so, being said, I wouldn't be surprised if like they didn't give us one. They didn't give us a dual land cycle. Yeah. And just wait till the fall set when the current well, duels rotate out. Well, they could do something. In the core set. Yeah, they could. And we got the first of the first half of temples in last year's core set. Yeah. 
and this would be the same as war and we didn't have a rare cycle in war. Oh yeah, you're right. We didn't. Okay. So, I mean, I think it would be awesome if they gave us the second half of the cycling lands, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. Yeah. It just seems where we have typically gotten a, a land cycle and we, we don't have one. Yeah. So, all right. So that's all the mechanics stuff. Definitely is going to take some playing to get used to them. Yes, they're very strange. Yeah, my and I have th- a feeling that they're going to play differently than they read. Also, yeah, my first thought was just, "Ugh, this set seems complex to be complex." Yeah, and I also worry that it's just a sign of how they're going to develop sets going forward, with way more focus on arena. So I'm not usually one to like put a tinfoil hat on, but the timing of this is like super suspect, right? Uh, Watsy did not make the coronavirus. Well, h- hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> okay. So, I'm not saying that once he made the coronavirus, so, so they went, but they went to China and they got a bat drunk and they're like, yo, hang right. with this anteater. <laughs> <laughs> Morrow's over there playing Barry White to a bat and a pangolin. <laughs> Let's get it on. That's right. Obviously, wizards didn't make the coronavirus, but like, it's really strange that this set is like obviously in your face designed with arena first and foremost, like everything that they're doing tracks better on arena than it does in paper. And the sets coming out at the exact same time when everybody is not allowed to leave their homes. And on top of that, it's also the first set that's ever come out a month before the paper release. Yeah. I think there's a lot of coincidence. I think the thing that you could put together as oh hey this is like you know there's coincidence and then like planning i think the yeah. planning side of this is when was this set in development this set was in development um, a year ago probably a year to 18 months maybe yeah ish so yeah this set was probably brand new right when arena was in beta yeah right so right yeah. probably when i started playing arena so right when they went to open beta yeah. is when this set was in development And then the arena open beta blew Mm -hmm. the doors off. Right. And someone probably went in and went, we want this set to play awesome on arena. What are things you can do because of arena that you wouldn't normally do in paper? Yeah. And that's actually another really good point because they used to do the exact opposite of that when we didn't have arena. They were like, this Um, doesn't work because. Yeah. They would bring their. Yeah, they would bring their mechanic or whatever to the Magic Online team and say, hey, we want to do this. Can you do this? And then they would say no. And then you'd go back and do something else and say, hey, can we do this? And they'd say, well, yeah, but it's really hard for us, so make the rest of the set easier. Yeah. Um, And this seems like the exact opposite. Yeah, it's just like whatever. We're making our money over here. But also, right, like like there's still some of the constraints of like – card identities and like when an object forgets it's an object right because like Mm -hmm. in hearthstone or eternal you can shuffle a card in Mm -hmm. to your deck and the card remembers that was on the battlefield and has counters or or you play um an equipment i forget what they're called weapon or something in eternal and it's like the next equipment that you draw gets plus one plus one Hmm. so an equipment that you haven't seen yeah. It's four cards deep in your deck. When you draw it, it has, automatically has a buff on it. Yeah. 
So there are still some things they can't do, but I feel like this set is pushing the envelopes of uh, the envelope of, hey, we're a digital game. Yeah. Doing digital stuff digitally. Mm-hmm. Why you can't play in paper. Yeah. Why you can't play in paper. <laughs> you know what you can't do? Go outside. But you know what you can do? You can stack some dinosaurs on top of some bears. That's right. It's like dino yeah. bears for life. Dino hippo out of elemental bear. There we go. There we go. Like Rawr. this, this set has the like, uh, was it Lorwyn that just had like the ridiculous like type lines? What is like coiling oracle, like a snake elf, snake shaman? elf druid, snake elf druid? That was Ravnica, that was Dissension. That was Dissension, okay, yeah. And so, like, the last Ravnica, you had like Sharkto crab, right? Shark octopus crab. And yep. now they're just like, yeah, yeah let's, let's jellyfish hydra. Yeah, let's just throw some like type lines together. Okay, yeah. so that is a Coria. Uh, should be an interesting arena experience, paper yep. experience yet to be determined. Yep, and we will uh, dive a little deeper into individual cards next week. So yeah. stay tuned for that. We have a listener question that came to the Twitter account, and he we do. Wanted, want to know how we track our collections. And my response yep. to him was. I just, I'm old school and I just hope I remember uh, <laughs> you, which is becoming harder and harder. I think yeah. at one point I was like, oh, I have three play sets of this card because I forgot I had two. Oops. Mm-hmm. Um, but you actually have like a collection tracker that you use. I do. I use uh, Echo MTG because it gives me the most bang for the buck. It lets me add additional information to each card. So I can tag it with, like, if I wanted to remember where I got a card from. If I want to know that this uh, Eternal Taskmaster came from my buddy Brian, I can add that as a note to the card so that I remember to keep that one forever and never get rid of it. Oh. (laughs) But you can do that, like, if you wanted to say, like, this is a Japanese card or this is... Um, the promo version or because sometimes like not all of the cards are in a database especially with some of the really weird promos like you can just make a note there it also lets you keep track of how much you paid for the card which as far as i know is the only collection tracking software that lets you do that that way when you go to get rid of the card you can say oh look you know i made thirteen dollars on this card or oh look i lost everything on this card so that's kind of nice being able to track you know how much you paid for it versus how much you're getting rid of it for the interface is really easy to use not that you know we're sponsored by them or anything it's just what i use and it's pretty cheap um i've got like the store level subscription because i have a bazillion thousand magic cards so just because of the sheer number, I needed like a higher tier account. And I think it's like six bucks a month or seven bucks a month or something. Okay. I do kind of want to check out the tool that MTG Stocks is supposed to be releasing because I really like that website. But there is like actual zero information on their collection tracker. And okay. I don't really want to just like dive into it without knowing what it is because like most of these collection trackers will let you export your collection as a a CS so that you can like upload it into a different database. And that sounds great, except that every single one uses a slightly different format for their CSV file Yeah, with slightly different abbreviations and none of them are compatible. Yay. Technology. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I couldn't just port my collection over to a different one at this point and expect it all to be hunky-dory. And again, at this point, it's a pretty substantial time investment for me to go through and recatalog my whole collection. So without knowing more about what the tool does, I'm kind of hesitant to just jump into it. So there you go. Um, budding MTG programmer come yeah. up with a program that will take the CSV file from whatever collection organizing uh, software and mm-hmm. then convert it to the appropriate CSV file for the next collection tracking software. There you go. There you go. You can charge a a, a $5 fee for that thing. And Karsten, you'll get $5 at least from Karsten. Absolutely. He will subscribe He will subscribe to your $5 <laughs> tier on Patreon for at least one month. That is correct. <laughs> I just so what out, about storage? What do you do for storage? I just sent out a picture to our uh, to the person who asked about this. I okay. have a I have these I think they're 3000 count boxes. Yeah, the they're, three row ones. Yeah, they're the Monster Shoebox is the name mm-hmm. of them. And if you buy them in bulk, you can get them pretty cheap. Uh, mm-hmm. I have a box of a hundred in my closet because uh, <laughs> it was cheaper than buying like 10. But yeah. so I have all my cards like you are organized by set and then alphabetized by then separated by color and alphabetized, which is basically just in order of the collector number. Mm-hmm. So I just have them all organized by collector number for yep. every set starting at like my four like beta cards all the way up to um, the most recent uh, set to Theros. So they're all organized. There's a small box of things that aren't organized that every so often I get out and work through and then get Mm. sad. Uh, It's always (laughs) hard. Like when you've taken apart a modern deck or a pioneer deck and you're like, I've got four cards from this set and then four cards from another set that's three boxes away. Right. It's like, oh, this is awful. So I have my collection organized by long boxes. Um, I just have regular thousand count long boxes that are done strictly alphabetically, just like you. It's pretty much by collector number for most sets. Um, like some of the really old stuff from when I played when I was a kid, I just kind of have lumped together and labeled old stuff. And then some of the master sets, like the early ones, I didn't, I opened some, but not a ton of. Um, so they're kind of lumped together as well. Every set that I have played through has at least one, if not two or three long boxes for it. And like I said, they're all done alphabetically. And then as I am alphabetizing the set, that's when I go ahead and put them in uh, Echo to like track them for me. So yeah. I kind of do that all at once. But then on top of that, I have two of those 3,000 count boxes that I use like when I'm deck building. Um, I play like a bunch of eternal formats, modern legacy, pioneer, some EDH, whatever. So there's a lot of cards that I own that I wasn't playing magic when they were printed. So I don't have a whole bunch of those sets and it makes it really hard to fill a whole long box when you only have seven cards from champions of Kamigawa. Yeah. So I have kind of a, I call it a staples box. It's all the cards that fill out like every deck you're realistically ever going to play. So lightning bolts, Lanoir elves, um, swords to plowshares, like any, like if you're playing a red deck, you're going to have lightning bolts in it. So like that kind of stuff. 
And the way I kind of saw it was if I felt strongly enough to buy the card for a particular deck, even if I'm not like playing that deck currently, that's probably going to go in a similar deck in the future. And it should probably go in the staples box. So I've got one of those that's just staples. And then I have another 3000 count box that I have like some of the more common tokens in uh, a lot of the tokens in, and then also some of the really hard to find ones. Like I have, you know, Elspeth son's champion emblem in there. Just some of the stuff that, you know, I could realistically at some point see myself casting an Elspeth son's champion. And I don't want to have to dig through, you know, a pile of tokens to find the emblem. So it's in there. Yeah. Okay. Also in that box, I have all my favorite basic lands too. Okay. I have uh this is something that freaked uh, our buddy Anthony out. He came over and mm-hmm. I had just gotten done sorting all of my tokens by set by number. By number. Modern tokens have a number at the bottom. Okay. The tokens in every set have a number. So like my Theris Beyond Death tokens are sorted from one to like sixteen, I think, or twenty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. So they were all they're all sorted by number. And by set. So I have like, mm-hmm. just like I can go to the, you know, Shadow Moor box or whatever section yeah. and be like, oh, Bitter Blossom tokens. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, they're all organized. I've, like I said, I've not uh, taken the time to put my collection in a tracker. It'd probably be a good idea, mm-hmm. but it's just a lot of work. I said I don't suggest doing it right now. Yeah, I have time. It'll make you cry though. Okay. Oh, that's, that's all the prices, prices aren't very good right now. <laughs> prices are bad. Okay. Yeah. Man, you are a professional. That's what in the business yeah. we call a segue. Yeah. See that? <laughs> yeah. So um, we're back to uh, we don't have a better name. So we're back to recession finance. Sure, recession finance. Uh, Nobody piped up with a better name, so we're we're rolling with it. Lockdown loadout. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's not bad. <laughs> uh. So. We have some more cards. Uh, James decided to trick me. And last week we had numbers and now they're letters. <laughs> so uh, we've got we've got some here. I would uh, we've got to double C. So uh, that's a lot. But it starts at B for some reason. Uh, we are we are tech geniuses here. Uh, Don't worry about that. Uh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> that work? That kind of worked. All right, we have like twenty-eight kind of. more. Twenty-eight, 28 more. more. <laughs> okay, there we go. So. so last week I had mentioned that we were skipping like some of the EDH staples because that's not really what we do on the show. And I said, you know, if anybody wanted that list, I could work on it for them. Well, nobody said they wanted to list, so we're not doing it. So if it's something you want, let us know. If not, we're not going to worry about it. I also did want to note that. From last week, the prices have started to climb on most of these cards to some extent. Yeah, I think um, it's a combination of people seeing that the cards were cheap and mm-hmm. no one being able to get in the same room to draft mystery boosters. Right. So, like, they're getting a little more scarce because, like, I went to go get fatal pushes that we said were super cheap and they were like mm-hmm. 250 which is still cheap for a fatal push. But yeah, they like, were a dollar when I wrote the episode. Yeah, though. but it wasn't a dollar, and I was I was sad. I was like, I missed, I missed yeah. my chance. So yeah, let's uh, let's start. Roll. The uh, first card on the list is Thrun the Last Troll. This saw a bunch of play out of modern sideboards like three, four years ago. 
it's kind of a go-to answer for control decks. Uh, can't be countered, has hexproof, regenerates. Yeah. Used to be very expensive. I know it's kind of fallen out of favor. doesn't see the play that it used to, but still had kind of a pricey price tag on it. Um, it's currently $1.20. Not it's bad. one of those yeah. random cards should be worth more than, you know, a dollar. So I would pick up one or two if, you know, that's if that's the kind of thing you're into. Next up, we have Wear and Tear. This only is a foil. split card. Yep. They were only in foil. It only came in the foil slot. And these are a dollar. Not bad. Oh, I didn't realize foil. that was in here. Yeah. No, the next foil one. Wear. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to the next one in a second. I believe non-foil wear and tears used to be like four or five bucks. Yeah. So be able to pick a foil one up for a buck seems seems pretty good. Uh, next one is another foil only card. Glittering Wish lets you get a multicolored card out of your sideboard. This is, I believe, the only time it's been reprinted. Uh, they are currently 75 cents. Um, that is cheaper than the non-foils used to be. It's kind of randomly like pops up and sees a bunch of play and then kind of fades away. It's kind of held back by the fact that it's uh Selesnia colors makes it kind of awkward because those colors typically aren't great. Like in the eternal formats where you do want to play this. Yeah. But for 75 cents, they're worth sitting on in case, you know, in case a deck pops up where you want to use it. There, there's always a random deck that pops up. that was like, Oh, I need to get this multicolored card. I need seven copies of this. Yeah. So. Yep. Uh, the next one is a card that you were super excited for you were quick to remind me that I had left it off of my list, and I was quick to remind you that we didn't there. finish my list last week. It's a Burning Inquiry. It was also only printed foil only, and these foils are a dollar. I have four of them in my hand right now. Yep. Uh, um, you could not get regular Burning Inquiries for a dollar before this. They were like, they used to be like 10. Yeah. Back yeah. when, uh, was it Goblin? Goblin Lore was the other card that was super Goblin expensive. Lore was the other one, yeah. The hollow one deck. Hollow one. So they're only a buck. Um, they're a pretty cool card. And the regular the, foils are uh, still $12. Okay. Yeah. These ones are a buck. And they look exactly the same except for the Planeswalker symbol at the bottom. Yeah. Nobody will ever know. No one. What I was going to say is Wizards lately has been playing around with some discard shenanigans a little bit. Last year, one of the commander decks was madness themed. There's a couple cards from one of the ones this year that have to do with discard. We had Kroxa from Theros that kind of pushes decks towards like a discard synergy. And Burning Inquiry is a card that could get really good if we get some discard stuff going on. Um, what um, about the um, the blue-red legend? Is it, It's in the standard set. Riel the Everwise for okay, one blue-red. It's a legendary yeah. creature, Human Wizard. Okay. It's an O3. An O3. Plus one, plus O for each instant and sorcery card in your graveyard. Okay, so it's like Enigma Drake? Yeah. Whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. Oh, boy. So So it turns Burning Inquiry into draw six? It turns Cathartic Reunion, which is in this set, into draw five. Discard two, draw five. Wow. Get hype. Yeah. Yeah, so they and are. That's, doing... that's in actual Akoria, not in the commander set. That is in actual Akoria. Okay. Yeah, so Wizards has been playing around with some discardy stuff. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they made an oopsie and 
pushed a little bit too far, in which case burning inquiry could get very good and very expensive again. Yeah. So might might be a decent decent time to jump on them. Uh, next up is Beast Within. Mm-hmm. Just the weird green catch-all removal spell that just yep. gives your opponent a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Buck 50. Um, yep, it hits lands, which is relevant. That's typically why people play Beast Within over some other options. So yeah, dollar fifty is pretty good for Beast Within. It's seen a bunch of reprints, but it's always been you know somewhere around like two to five dollars. So yeah, get them while they're cheap. Uh, next up, Bajuka uh, Bog for a mm-hmm. dollar. Yeah, this is like a weird like Zendikar common that mm-hmm. just has always been expensive because it enters in exiles graveyards. Yeah. And so like at a dollar, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next up is dismember. This card has from what I can, you know, I might be way wrong, but from what I can remember, dismember's always been like at least four or $5. It's a removal spell that is kind of colorless because it's Phyrexian mana. So you don't have to actually pay black mana to cast it. You can play life instead, yeah. in which case it can slot into any deck, even decks that traditionally would have been light on removal, and you don't even have to be in black. They're currently at a dollar. Yeah, which is a little bit less than they currently are. It's hard looking at like current prices since yeah. there's no economy. Yeah. Lightning Bolt for a buck, that's a card that's usually 2 to $5. Mm-hmm. Just yep. I think, yeah, just about any printing is... Um, you know, everybody knows what lightning bolt does. Even yeah. casual yeah. players that don't play any sort of, you know, formal constructed magic know what lightning bolt does. It's just iconic. You know what I mean? If you're playing red, you're playing lightning bolt. So there's a high, even though they've been reprinted a million times, there's a high demand for them. And they're almost always more than a dollar, even when they've recently been reprinted. Uh, next up is wheel of fate. Now this one kind of, I don't want to call it a spike because it's really still cheap, but they were way cheaper than this last week, which is why it made the list. Um, I think last week they were around 40 cents, which seems absurdly cheap for Wheel of Fate. Uh, right now they're about a buck ten. Um, still, you know, pretty cheap for what the card is. Every once in a while you'll have, you know, a new deck come up that's looking to abuse the fact that it has no CMC. It's a zero casting cost card. And I bought a bunch for more than that when yeah. they were... What, what came out? There was something that came out that was going to cast stuff for free, and I was like, oh, I want Wheel of Fates. Uh, Dread Horde Arcanist? Yeah, maybe it was Dread Horde Arcanist. I was like, I want Wheel of Fates. Yeah. Yep. And it did not work out. I had a I had a place at a time spiral ones already. Um, I ordered another place set of these ones just because it's one of those cards that's good to have, have around, especially when they're only a buck. Or, like I said, 40 cents last week. Mm-hmm. So this is another one that you yelled at me for beginning of the episode saying that i forgot about it make me sound like a terrible person <laughs> well i mean you said it not me <laughs> wow uh, allosaurus writer <laughs> available in foil only yeah uh, the foils are 50 cents currently yeah i paid a little bit more so i could get them all shit from one seller but mm-hmm. basically yeah dirt cheap yep uh, another one that's foil only and is also 50 cents is goblin bushwhacker this is a staple in a bunch of decks. The ability to get a foil one for 50 cents is pretty good, I would think. Yeah. I think I bought my non-foil ones, you know, years ago for more than 50 cents a piece. I agree. I think I did the same thing. Yeah. Then we have uh, Monastery of Swiss Spear. 
another card that's a staple in a bunch of different mono red decks in pioneer modern legacy um and not not even just mono red but red decks in general um they're currently a dollar i know when they were in standard i want to say they were about four or five bucks and then after they rotated they were still like three four bucks and they've had two reprints now i believe they were in was it ultimate masters they were reprinted in one of the master sets that got reprinted in or it was masters 25 okay and then uh just this other one so Maybe through a second reprint, it's not going to go much higher than where it is now, but still for a dollar, the card plays way better than a dollar card. Yeah. The uh, next one we have kind of only sees play in Legacy. So if you're not playing Legacy, maybe don't pay attention or whatever. It's a Palace Jailer. Uh, they're currently 50 cents. It was uh, originally printed in the second Conspiracy. Yes. Because it has the monarch, um, that's that mechanic. Yeah, it gives you the monarch, um, and that's why that's why they play it in Legacy. Really doesn't see much play anywhere else, I don't think. But it's also not a card that's like easily reprintable, and it was like an uncommon or something from a set that wasn't super open, so the price was a little bit higher than it should have been. So again, this one might not you know ever be worth a ton more than it is right now, but it's a good pickup at fifty cents, something to fill up your staples box with. I agree. Yep. Next one's my boy. I made so much money off Blood Raid Elf. So much I have money. made so much money off Blood Raid Elf, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just bought so many and then they spiked to like four dollars and I just dumped a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh for a long time I bought every single order I made on TCG player. I filled up because it used to be like instead of per seller having, you know, a minimum amount, it used to be just per order. So if you had like a $20 order and you needed to get to 25 for free shipping, you would need to add, you know, $5 in cards. So it was always $5 in Bloodbraid Elves for me. You could pick them up for, you know, a quarter, 30 cents, whatever. And I think I ended up with 200 something of them over the course of 18 months. And then they got unbanned in modern and they went to $5 a piece. And I sent all of them to Channel Fireball. Yeah, I dumped mine on like a local store in Charleston and got like I basically took all the reserve list cards. Yeah, it was glorious. Store. Yeah, I had like eighty to a hundred. Yeah, it was great. Yep, yep. They're currently seventy five cents. Yeah, so that's pretty cheap. That's almost what I was picking them up for way back when. Yeah, and if you need a Bloodbraid Elf, so you don't have them, might as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next up, we have Witchbane Orb. Mm-hmm. For foil a- only thirty cents. Yep. Uh, doesn't see a ton of play, but is one of the cheapest ways to give you hexproof like that f- I think exists. It's like five mana though, right? Uh, I thought it was only three. Uh, let us look. I thought it was five. You might be right. Uh, it's it's the artifact way to do it. So yeah. no, we're both four. wrong. It's four. We were both wrong. <laughs> um. But it's the artifact way to do it. So when the artifact decks in modern get good yeah, and they are playing War of Invention or other ways to go search for artifacts, which mm-hmm. main orb is the way is the way that like you go get hexproof out of your deck. Yeah. You're like, oh, your opponent's like lightning bolt you. And you're like, in response, were go get... Witchbane Orb. Witchbane Orb. Counter your yep. lightning bolt. 
Yep. Or if the Tran thought sees you or whatever. Yeah. Whenever those artifact decks are good, which Bane Orb goes up. Yeah, for 30 cents, it's a card that like you're randomly going to want, very randomly. But when you do, chances are it's going to be more than 30 cents, and it won't be foil. So yeah. uh, scoop next, these while you can. Yeah, next up is Anger of the Gods for 50 cents. Yep, it's a pretty staple red sweeper. Yep. Uh, so Playing a bunch of different decks. So... I think after Anger, we're going to call it because we are pretty deep in here and we wanted to touch a little bit on what's going on on Arena. Yeah, we went um, a little bit deeper on the uh, mechanics than I thought we were going to. Yes. So we'll call it here so you guys don't have a four-hour podcast and yep. I don't have a four-hour um, podcast to edit. Yeah, right. Just to let everybody know, I have at least one more episode of these specs prepared. And I'm sure if this is content that you guys like, I could come up with more after that. But I don't know, like, unless you guys really want more of this kind of stuff, like, I don't know when we're going to get back to it. Because, like, next week's our Ikoria show, and then the week after will be, like, new standard stuff, right? Yeah, hopefully. So maybe in, like, three weeks, if you guys want it, we can get back to this. But let us know. Get a hold of us on Facebook or Twitter or however you want to, and let us know if this is more kind of stuff you want to hear about. All right. So next up is some arena stuff. Mm-hmm. And so first, did anyone get at you about how the arena FNMs are working? Not one person. I know that uh, Kate Fear, if you take a screenshot of your screen and send it yeah. to them on like Facebook or whatever, they will send you a code. Uh, yeah, did for you do sleeves. that? I did. I saw it today. I did uh, not. I also kind of feel bad because it's not my local game store. You, know, you have certainly spent money in that store before. I certainly have, but I don't want to. Uh, and I kind of feel bad if like there's a finite number of codes. I wouldn't want to take it from someone who actually goes to that store. That's true. I don't, I don't think they're finite though. Okay, so there was. But that. I don't know if you guys know any different. Let us know. Yeah, this week was play with any card, regardless of your collection. But I have like a full collection, so I was just like, meh. Yeah, two things I wanted to say about this. Is this a thing that people really wanted? I I feel like a lot of people just. Like at this point in arena, people have wild cards and have just built whatever they wanted. You know what I mean? Like a week before a new set comes out, people don't have the decks that they wanted to play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think if you're looking at it from the more competitive players, then 100% you're right. But if you are a more casual player that, you know, might not have all those wild cards, maybe you're like, oh, this might be my only chance to play red black sacrifice or you locked into i'm gonna play team adventures and then now red black sacrifice is like the deck and you're like oh man i want to try that deck out so that might give you you a chance to do that like especially if you're mainly a paper player yeah all the things that they've done on for these like fnm at home are Mm -hmm. a way to transition paper players to arena you know arena collection cool come play with these pre-cons Oh, you don't yeah. have. You want to play your standard deck that you've been playing, and you don't have an arena collection. Cool, just come on here and build your deck, and use it for this event. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Like the way I the way I saw it was, you know, we're a week before new standard. Anybody that's you know playing standard on arena like has the deck they want to play. Yeah. We've but... been playing with the same cards for three months now. I agree that if you're so... a, an enfranchised arena player. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much of this is getting people. 
I don't think much of it is getting people from arena to paper. Yeah. I think this is again, tinfoil hat. This is a convenient way to get people from paper to arena. Probably. So it's like, well, let no crisis go to waste. Yeah. Very Um, possibly. So the next thing is cube sealed. Yeah. I was super excited for this. And then I, kind of ran out of time to actually play it so, so i i, I played i played two yeah two not great success a sweet sweet uh one and three both times you're listening oh to boy this for sweet podcast content <laughs> so what i found is it's a minimum three color format okay i've been playing four and five color piles just like all the dual lands and then whatever you want kind of deal yeah. and the card pool is small enough that you get very similar pools. Oh, yeah. In both my pools, I had Casualty of War, Beanstalk Giant, Golos, uh, the Archon of Sun's Grace, something It's a lot of power. Yeah, I mean, I lost my last match to Agent of Treachery, Spark Double, Agent of Treachery. Um, Oh, boy. uh, I I had uh, uh, the Stone Coil Serpent in both. Mm-hmm. So, like, the packs, there aren't enough cards to get really super unique packs. Oh, okay. And I felt like I built the same deck both times, where it was, yeah. I'm going to just jam all my dual lands, and I'm going to play, like, you know, a base, whatever two-color deck, but I'm going to, like, double-splash cards. I'm going to be like, oh, well, I guess we're going to put a Casualties of War in my, like, in my blue-green deck. Yeah. Because I have enough fixing for it. But I think yeah. it's a format you want to just play all your power, all your powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you just play all your fixing and then you just jam like lilies and stuff in. Like I've played like, again, I haven't done great, but yeah. like the last one was like, like a nine creature control deck, but the mm-hmm. creatures were like Varric's blade wing. So I got oh. two bodies out of it. Yeah. And Hydroid Crisis. I had Hydroid Crisis in both my pools. So I had like six or seven Holy moly. cards that were the same in both my pools. That's weird. Yeah. Like I mean, it's gotta be a small pool of cards then. Like it, there's no other reason. Yeah. So like I had Crisis and stuff. So you have all these powerful cards that you want to like stuff into your deck. Oh, are you ready for tinfoil hat? Okay, tinfoil hat time. I wonder if they're. I wonder if that's not it at all. I wonder if it knows what kind of decks you play. Huh. I wonder. You played an awful lot of Golos and Hydroid Crisis. Yeah, that'd be weird if they just like tailored it to what they thought you would want. Yeah. Yeah. Very Ooh. strange. This is where I need like a soundboard where I can play the X Files music. Do 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 do. Yeah, there we go. I just I I just say soundboard <laughs> now. I have one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it seems like it's a slow mid rangey format. I've seen nothing that screams like you can put together an aggressive deck in yeah. this format at all. It's like just five color mid range stuff. Hmm. And it's not like in seal, like in a regular sealed where you get paid off for being that three or four color mid range deck because you just have more powerful cards than your opponent. Yeah, everybody it's, just has all the same powerful stuff. Yeah, like I don't think I played against a two-color deck. Hmm. So it's just everyone just has the same powerful stuff. So like I had a match where I had to stop activating my Golos because I was going to deck myself. 
and I got double agent of treachery and like lost because I was able to tap some stuff and all out attack, but then uh, my opponent was able to give a an agent of treachery lifelink, so they didn't die. Uh. And I was like, ugh, because they had they had agent of treachery. They were a bant deck that mm-hmm. had agent and heliod. Oh boy. Yeah. So it was just all this like. I, it's one of those things I don't think there's going to be a varied play style to it. Yeah. It's not like you're going to be able to like put together a blue-red spells deck mm-hmm. uh, and play like this. Well, especially since you're not drafting it. It's yeah, just sealed. sealed. But that's what I mean. Like You're going to get yeah. a very similar experience each yeah. time. So maybe try it once or twice and then be done with it? Yeah. Now, maybe if I would have gone like 7-0 each time, I would have been like, this is the greatest format ever. But... <laughs> It just it just feel it just felt like with getting the same cards and getting and then like having very similar games yeah. that it didn't feel like it was a like as replayable of a format as I had hoped because mm-hmm. like you shouldn't get like six or seven of the same card no not at all in your in your uh, in your sealed pool because that didn't even happen in a regular set. Yeah. Now we don't know. Do we know how big this sealed pool is? I don't know what like the cube they're building from. I wonder if it's just like anything that's on arena. Uh, it was supposed to be just limited to whatever was on arena, but well, right. But I, I, I was wondering if it was everything on arena, or whether it's just you know what I mean. Because there's not there's not really a ton on arena that they get to cherry pick from. Yeah, they have like. 12 sets maybe yeah so it's not like it, it can't be that big yeah uh, okay here we go there are 555 different cards available in cube sealed okay i'm, I'm looking it up right now so it, it is weird that i got the same six cards yeah that is really strange so it includes the historic anthologies cards from brawl and then all the sets that have been on arena otherwise hmm. and so it's you get gold up until you win five games. So it's back okay. this three losses or five wins. Mm-hmm. And then you get gems at five wins. Ooh. You get your gems back. If you get five wins, you spent no gems to get in. Okay. But it's... So you uh, just play for fun if you can go undefeated? We don't have to go undefeated. You can go 5-2. Oh, that's true. Yeah. The, and then the rewards are like a rare and two uncommons. One rare guaranteed and then two uncommons are better. Like they have a little algorithm that sometimes upgrades you. Yeah. Yep. All the way up to five wins. So it's one okay. rare, two uncommons guaranteed up to five, up to five wins. And then it switches at five to two rares and one uncommon. Hmm. But yeah, it seems, it seems like it is one not super replayable and I think yeah. you lose some of the like some of the depth in that it's best of one. Oh, really? Yeah. So like, like that there are times too. where you like you lose, and you're like, oh, I would have, I think I could have played that match differently. Yeah. Like I wouldn't lose to that again, or I would right. bring in these cards against that matchup, mm-hmm. and you don't have the opportunity to do that. You're just like, oh, okay, cool. I mean, it's fun. It's it's a different palette cleanser, but I think that it won't have a lot of staying power. Right. Just because you're going to play 
mid-range value mid-range value slog fest mm-hmm. is what you play yeah which like oh well i can be i had high game. hopes i mean sometimes but not if it's just the same thing game after game after game yeah it's not like you're gonna play like against like an aggro deck or anything like that right it's just not how it seems like it's set up we're at the end of standard so i haven't even thought about standard so i haven't either probably with the new set we'll see yeah um i'm getting cut at work to three days a week um so i will use the end of this week to hopefully get up to speed with what new standard is going to look like and then the end of next week i will be off when this drops on arena so i'm thinking about uh potentially making some other content maybe doing a stream if i can figure it out maybe recording like some of my first forays into icoria putting them up on youtube or something if i do we can blast it out on social media so people can check it out yeah i mean Um, if you are uh if you want to get a super techie uh, i have i have uh, been a co-pilot on a on many a stream before okay anthony knows how to do it we'd have to see but Basically, you can right. mirror, you can mirror your screen through Discord, okay, and then set it up that then I come through, and so like I'm like talking through plays or just oh, perfect. Like making snarky commentary. That uh, would be awesome because I don't want to have to deal with chat. Okay, I like how, I like how you're uh, I like how you're at the level of like we're gonna have a chat. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Hey man, optimistic. We got all these casual tryhard followers that want to see me punt games we do we got okay if we stream anthony better show up that's all i have to say 100 percent. we yeah. once got his stream up to 10 viewers Woohoo! yeah and i was freaking him out because i was like oh we have to do this because they might have this in their hand and then they would have that in their hand he's like how do you do that <laughs> i'm like i don't know super genius <laughs> it's like i was paying attention uh <laughs> so I'm, I'm so like, yeah, but I thought it'd be cool to do like a couple seals or something and yeah, like tape them or stream I mean, them and then maybe some new standard stuff. I mean, if nothing else, we could uh, figure out how to like screen share and yeah. we could build sealed pulls together. And mm-hmm. like even even if we don't like we could record them and post them, we could kind oh, of, yeah, that'd be awesome. kind of do the uh, the old Myrtle Beach games sealed content. But we could oh, do yeah, it. we could do it. At a safe distance from one another. Exactly. I'm unclean. Uh, (laughs) I'm clean. I'm showering twice a day now. (laughs) There you go. Um, So yeah, you guys got that to look forward to do. If uh, you got any other ideas that you wanted to hit us up with, uh, feel free. You can do it on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. I tweeted out a picture of my setup that I have all my cards in. I got... Oh, okay. in, a, in, a, in a thread to someone so you can find it of how my cards are all set up alright um, maybe I can do that there we go I'll have to do some rearranging first but I think I can Gotta do that as well it. I moved the fish well, food that was over there so <laughs> that was all I not did. so much organizing but like I've got mine like in cabinet with like sliding doors so I'd have to like move some things gotcha. but yeah I could probably do that you can send us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, if you want to let us know, you know, any kind of other content you guys are looking for, we'll see what we can do. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. 
We have our affiliate link. Also, we forgot to mention down in the comments, there will be a link to all of the cards that we talked about for our specs. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll bring it right through to TCG player with all of them populated. So you'll be help, helping to support the show, helping to build out your own staples box, hopefully get some good deals. So make sure you check that out. And yeah. I think that's it. Yep. Is that it? I think so. We'll catch you on the interwebs. Yeah, we'll catch you on the interwebs. Do, 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 do. That's totally staring. Um. <laughs>